We do this about every couple of weeks. This time so that excites me. This is for real. What is up for realers? Coming to you from sunny Los Angeles, California. This is for real bites. It's your boy Greg, aka GB, in the building again, ready to deliver with you some of my thoughts and ideas on some industry news that has been going on since we last spoke. Now, before I start that, how are you guys doing? How have you been in the past week that we didn't talk? Now, I know that we talk on a weekly basis, but you know, the way in which we could do this on a daily basis is if you go over to our Instagram page, this for real podcast on Instagram or on Facebook and slide something down in the comments. Let me know how I'm doing. Let me know how we doing as a team. Let me know what you would like to know about in the future. If there's ever anyone that wants to have a discussion with me on one of these podcasts on this forum, we could sit and talk about it. You just let me know. I'll add you to the Zoom. We'll do this thing live. Well, not live. We won't do it live. We'll do, we'll do a little something, little something else, just not live. But as you guys know, it's a new year. I ranted about that. I was so happy that it's 2021. And with the new year, when it comes to reflecting on oneself, I'm not the only one that's done this. I'm sure that you've done it as well. But the industry does it as well. And we all know especially if you've been with us for a while, you know that this is a time of the year that we call award season. Now, this award season, I would have to say, and you could put it down in the comments if you like, are you feeling it? Are you feeling like it's award season? Are you feeling like it's time to start celebrating some of the film accomplishments that have been at work for the entire year? You let me know. I know for me, and it has been felt around Hollywood, award season is not really kicking off the way that it usually does. Usually by now we're hearing some Oscar buzz and so on and so forth, but we know why that is. There's just not enough product that's out there. However, the streaming services, Amazon, Netflix, we know the guys, have been pumping out projects as per usual. Now, I know that with the Oscars, there's, there needs to be some sort of cinematic run when it comes to uh, being eligible. But these guys are doing, have been doing a lot of work over this past year. So I believe that the Oscars will, now if you look at the transition of, of the streaming products going into these awards ceremonies and award in award season, who's being uh, recognized, Netflix went from one film, which was Roma, to I think it was 10 films, five to 10 films in the last award season. We'll just have to wait and see who is in contention for this year's Oscars and so on and so forth. But award season is here and it just doesn't feel the same. There was not much that happened in film last year. Hence, a couple of the episodes that we missed and wasn't able to connect with you guys. This is what happens, guys. When there's not much content out in the theaters, when the theaters are closed, there's not much for us to review. So what should we reflect on? The fact that streaming is taking it over. So 
that's just a little prelude into what we're going to talk about closer to when the awards are, which is in February, March. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. But something else to discuss, something else that I think is fantastic is Sundance Film Festival. It's festival time, but it's festival time all year, honestly. Everywhere is having a film festival. But Sundance Film Festival has finally announced their 2021 slate of works, which includes 71 feature-length films. Now, this is a condensed version of what the Sundance Film Festival is about. Usually, they have an average of 115 to 125 films in the Sundance Film Festival. And what is exciting about this year is that the films that are being featured are going to be world premieres. We've never seen them before, right? There's going to be new, um, there's going to be new directors, new actors, breakout performances. This is the time to do it. As excited I am about the, the art and, and um, that sort of stuff, Sundance did something this year that I don't think that we'll probably never see again, or if we do see it, we're going to see it in collaboration with what, what actually happens in, 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 uh, in Utah every year. So Sundance has put their entire, has put the festival that's going to be in February out on streaming. So you pay for your ticket. I think it's $15 a ticket, um, $100 for a VIP uh, all-inclusive or, or 25 films or something like that. And you get to watch, there's, there's a schedule and there's, you could watch the first, you could watch the film once or twice because there's a replay that you could watch it if you missed some of it before for 15 bucks a movie which in Los Angeles is pretty cheap usually movies movie tickets range from like 16 to 22 dollars here in Los Angeles I know that's in other parts of the United States probably in other parts of the world it's way cheaper than that but this is a significant part the artwork is not confined to a, a limited time in a specific place now, based on the Sundance financial report back in 2019, they had about 112,000 attendees that brought $182 million to Utah's GDP, which is great. You know, it created jobs. It created about $94 million in wages for, for Utah. It's great for uh, that state. It's great for that, for that uh, location. The perfect place for a perfect way in which the, the film festival contributes to that area, to that state. But that's a lot of money uh, in, in the grand scheme of things. You know, it's, it's nowhere close to the, to the billions of dollars and that sort of stuff. But Sundance really has uh, an impact in the location that it's in. But now, and this is just a speculation because we don't know how it's actually going to do, but Sundance Film Festival, something that is so accredited, it's an opportunity for the rest of the world to experience it in real time. Now we've seen other events like uh, the, the DC Dome and all that stuff. That was for free. You could come in and do what you want. But this is the first time, unprecedented, that you're going to have a film festival that's going to be available to every single person on the planet. The price of a movie ticket. Now, what does this mean for the future of Sundance Film Festival and for many film festivals out there? Well, depending on how much money they're able to make off of this thing, um, I don't believe it's going to be anywhere close to the numbers that we've seen added to the bottom line for the great state of Utah. But I do see an opportunity to double dip 
when things go back to the new normal. And I say the new normal, we, we, we get, we're going to get the vaccine, we're going to be healthy again, be able to socialize. And I don't think that Sundance is going to be strictly on streaming. I think that uh, these artists, the, the filmmakers, the cast, the crew that have put so much time into their art want to see this on a larger format versus uh, for most people, a phone screen, a laptop screen, a TV screen, they're, they're going to want their work on a large format. So there is going to be some that, you know, that Utah is not going to miss out that hopefully 2022, you're going to see that go back to the state. But if they're able to do this live stream effectively, I do believe that we're going to see a little bit of double dipping come 2022. It's going to change the landscape as we've seen all throughout. I, I mean, like I, I sound like a broken record every time that I talk about how this, the streaming technology, the way in which we're able to communicate now is going to change the game. Talking about changing the game, this is my last bit for today. I've missed you guys. So I've, I've talked a little bit, I've ranted a little bit, but not as much as, as I have before in the past. Now, this is what I'm gonna end with today. So I was going through a report and I'll go through the report here with you guys about, you know, Netflix dominating the series top 10 list, but Disney plus captures, uh, capturing the majority of the feature film slots. And I've, I was looking at the numbers. I saw that Ozark, um, which is a fantastic series on Netflix had 30 billion watched minutes. That, that was uh, for an original series from the streaming platform. And then they had 57 billion watched minutes for The Office as an acquired series. This is what I thought was interesting. As a stat in general, you're seeing Disney with the features. You know, Frozen 2 has got 14 billion watched minutes. Moana's got 10 uh, billion watched minutes. And, and, you know, third on the feature films list is Secret Life of Pets, 9 billion watch minutes. These are all family-friendly films that are being watched. Has a lot of minutes behind it. But they don't come even close to TV series. Well, I, this, this, is, this is where I'm going to get to. Feature films have a place in people's hearts. Most films you could only watch once. You feel you could only watch once. You purchase, you watch it, that sort of stuff. Now, not only that, but there's, you know, I thought that this was really interesting. Netflix has a ton of feature films that comes to the platform, but that's not where they're getting their viewership. They're getting the majority of their viewership off of TV series, watching television. Now, my question, and I would love if you guys punch in your response down in the comments because this is really important is the setting for streaming not conducive for watching movies now i only say that because as human beings we're so used to our space we're so used to where you know where we're at in the moment i watch tv in my bedroom i lay in bed i got the laptop I'm on, on me and I'm, I'm trying to like figure out through notes to deliver another exciting episode for you guys. So I go through a lot of, of television on a regular basis. When it comes to movies, there's a little bit more 
focus that needs to happen or else you could lose a lot of the story in just a few minutes is the setting that we're in whether it's your living room your bedroom whatnot wherever you might be not conducive for absorbing the information that movies has to deliver because of all the distractions if you're a stay-at-home parent you and now especially you got the kids at home you have to be chasing them around you don't have time to absorb movies in the way in which they were created. Is this stay-at-home action really, is streaming even really going to disrupt movie going in general or movie watching in general? The numbers points, points it out. People would rather sit and binge TV series. And I know for me, I've been watching, I've been watching Angel recently. Um, right now I'm watching Stargate SG-1. Yeah, I'm real nerdy like that. And most of the times I'm, I'm either working while it's playing, so I'm semi-absorbing it, but because there are 10 seasons of Stargate SG-1, I, they do have to flashback before some of these episodes so I could catch up really quickly as to what, what happened a few episodes before. With movies, you can't really do that. And most of the times you go through a movie, if it's not super interesting, you don't really go back to watch what you missed. You just kind of miss it and hope that you read something about it later. Or if you're a real movie watcher, you probably watch the film 10 times. But for the average moviegoer, for the average consumer, is the space really not conducive for, for serious movie watching? As an example, if I go down the list of the top 10 uh, feature films that have been streamed, it's Frozen Moana, Secret Life of Pets 2, Onward, Dr. Seuss, The Grinch. Well, this is not animated, but you have Hamilton, Spencer, Confidential, Aladdin, 2019, Toy Story 4, and Zootopia. Zootopia. These are all family-friendly to a certain degree. I wouldn't put Hamilton in family-friendly. It's a little bit more adult. And Spencer Confidential, obviously not. But they're all in, they're less than you know, the majority of this list is less than 10 billion watched minutes. That's a lot of watched minutes. But when you look at, well, Netflix completely dominating like the acquired titles for series, it's like The Office, Grey's Anatomy, Criminal Minds, NCIS, Supernatural, Shameless, New Girl, The Blacklist, Vampire Diaries. These are all examples. And none of these are under 10 billion watched minutes. Just something to think about, guys. Just something to think about. Is it really like, you know, before I was just watching the numbers, is it, are we really going to see a shift completely? This points to no for me. I don't think that, that the environment that we're in is conducive for the level of attention that movie watching requires, which is why the majority of these are for the kids because the kids when they're watching frozen 2 they're up they're singing they're running around they're not even paying attention uh they're, they're playing with their toys while the movie's going on and the parents are just right so a lot of of the films that we're seeing a lot of watch minutes is because in these kids they don't get tired of it they watch the films over and over again because they're used to it they're absorbing the same thing Adults are not the same, which is why the majority of the adult content, the series, the TV series, we're seeing a lot more adult content there than we see in the feature film section. 
food for thought, guys. I know this was a little bit longer than a bite. It was more of a chew. But I'm glad to be here with you on another episode of For Real Bites. Can't wait to catch you guys on the next one.